This morning I want to talk to us uh, and share a message that I called Unexpected Mercy. Unexpected Mercy. Uh, for some of you this morning, coming to church has been an experience of, it's been an unexpected experience. This is not what I thought church would be like. I wasn't expecting there to be drums. I wasn't expecting there to be people with ripped jeans. Hello. Uh, I just, that's just because Jordan prays a lot on his knees. That's, that's, he's worn his way through, and obviously Shekinah, that's, that's why. Uh, I used to say people would come to church and unexpectedly see good look, a good-looking young pastor, but I'm, now it's just a good-looking pastor. Come on, there's got to be some faith in the room right now. Actually, the other day, I, my daughter and I are doing this fitness class. This is a really happy moment for me, a terrible moment for her. Um, but someone said to her, so uh, are you two a thing or are you just mates? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Horrifying moment for your 15-year-old daughter. But for me, I've still got it, obviously. <laughs> it was unexpected. Unexpected, that's what we're talking about. Unexpected mercy, mercy. When I was a kid, we used to play these games. I don't know if you ever played it, where you'd lock hands in with somebody else and you'd try and bend their hands backward or they'd put your hands backward until one of you gave in and yelled out mercy. Whoever played that game? Yeah, there we go, some of you. Mercy, stop, stop. I, I, I can't handle it anymore. It's like tapping out in the UFC. Mercy, mercy. Jesus came, and when he came as God's son, he became one of us. It was completely unexpected of what people thought God would be like. The Bible tells us that he was the visible image of an invisible God. We can't see God, therefore we form all sorts of opinions about a God that we can't see, though He's real. And those informed or uninformed concepts of what God's like are often formed from different ways. And Jesus came and He was unexpected. He didn't look like people thought He would look. He, he wasn't born into a family like people thought He would be. He wasn't a ruler in the sense of a worldly ruler like they thought. He came and at this point in history, people's concept of God had been framed by the, the religious world of the day, the Jewish people, the, the Israelis. They were God's chosen people. And so as usually happens, God's people and the leaders of God's people and the way they do business forms people's concepts of what God or religion's about. And so their experience of of the leaders of God's people, the church of that day, if you like, is that the leaders were holier than everybody else. So holier than now, they would set standards that no one could, could live up to and not even live up to them themselves. They were hypocritical. They emphasized people's guilt. They were legalistic. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. They emphasized rules and the law. They had empty words that had no real authority and no real relevance to people. Their experience was one of ceremony, but no power. There would be religious ceremony that was meant to have meaning, but it had lost its meaning and just became a ritual rather than a powerful experience of worship and an encounter with a living God. They'd heard of miracles in their history and they talked about the miracles of hundreds of years ago, 
but they weren't experiencing them in that day. And so therefore, because that's what the leaders were like in so many ways, and obviously there were some who had good heart, but that was what it had become. That's what people perceived God to be like. Legalistic, harsh, guilt-focused, emphasizing that people don't measure up, uncaring without any power. And so when Jesus came, and much like many mindsets today of Christianity that are sometimes formed by religion rather than true Christianity, people can still think the same thing. Ceremony without power, guilt emphasis, fear-based, legalism, a harsh, distant, unloving God. Many people in the world today, that's their image of God and that's their image of Christianity. And Jesus came to turn it on its head. He came to mess with it. He came born in a manger. He came born to a single mother. He came from a town called Nazareth, which was a little tiny village in the middle of nowhere. He came servant-hearted. He came humble. He came authentic and genuine, loving children to adults, the old, the young, the, the isolated, the, the wounded, the hurting males and females. He loved them all. He came authentic and genuine. Rather than being rules-focused, he came being love-focused. He was about power more than ceremony. In fact, he, up, he often upset ceremonies with his power. And he messed with everybody's mindset. He would go to church on the Sabbath, the holy day, where you were to do no work. And in that moment, he would heal someone. And the religious people would, rather than celebrating that love and mercy had trumped a sickness and a disease, they said, that's wrong. You can't do that on the holy day. Completely missing the point that the holy day was a gift from God to God's people rather than a legalistic day where no work was to be done. And Jesus messed with it. He came with unexpected mercy. The religious vibe was this. You repent, clean up your act, live by the rules, and maybe God will accept you. That's actually what religion says. You repent first. You clean up your act. You get your life together. You dress good, look good, talk good. Uh, Jesus called it like this, you whitewash a dirty fence. On the outside, you just paint it, but really underneath it's rotten and dirty. He said that's what religion does. It pretends the, everything's good, but it doesn't deal with the core issue. And he came and said, no, 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 this is not the way it's supposed to be. He said it's love and mercy first. He didn't lead with the rules. He led with love. He didn't lead with guilt he led with mercy. He came to serve the world, heal the world, and love the world. One of my favorite and most graphic moments that messed the, the people's mindsets up so much was when he came to a woman who was accused of committing adultery. It was a setup that already caught him breaking the fourth commandment, this so-called prophet and messiah that the Sabbath day is holy. Now they said, well, if we can catch him with the seventh commandment, which is don't commit adultery, if he doesn't follow through what the law says, we've got him. And a Bible series video captured this moment. It's about two minutes. I thought it'd be great for us to watch it today. Unexpected mercy. Break the door! Oh, no! 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 Oh, no
law commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? It's a trap. I'll give my stone to the first man who tells me that he has never sinned. Unexpected mercy. Jesus goes, the Bible tells us, he grabs the woman, he looks her in the eyes and says, they don't condemn you, therefore neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus, representing God, always leads with mercy. Mercy is what we don't deserve we deserve something else, but he leads with mercy. I, I wonder, in this moment, it says that while they were accusing the woman, that Jesus crouched down and he drew in the sand. He was outside the temple. He was already teaching there. They brought this woman there as a setup. And he, they said that they told him what she'd done and what she deserved, and he ignored them, and he was drawing in the sand on the stone. And they told him again, and he drew again. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote there. Over the years, people have guessed what it was that he wrote. They've imagined what it was that he wrote, but we're not told what he wrote. But I, I wonder, not so much what he wrote, but I wonder in that moment with a guilty woman who deserved judgment, whether he was thinking about this moment that we now call Good Friday. I wonder in his mind if he was thinking forward to the day where he would become the sacrificial lamb, where he would become the Passover lamb as the Israel people knew it, the one whose blood would be shed on doors and the angel of death and judgment would pass over them. I wonder if he was thinking that my blood is going to cover this woman. My sacrifice, although it's in the future, is going to be enough for her because that's ultimately why I came, to give my life. I wonder in that moment, I wonder, it's the most amazing thing to me that Jesus lived his life knowing 
that the ultimate purpose of his life would be fulfilled on this day, the day they knew as the Passover feast, the death of the lamb, the sacrifice, the escape from slavery. He knew that this day was coming. It always loomed in the back of his mind. It was a terrifying pressure that was sitting over him. Every now and then he'd say something to his closest disciples. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified for this. And, and they'd say, no, no, you're not, you're not. They thought he was coming to become a king in the worldly sense of the word. But he knew his ultimate purpose was that one day, on this day, over 2,000 years ago, he would come to this moment of unexpected mercy for every human being who's fallen short of the glory of God. Every human being who couldn't throw the stone. That's every one of us who deserves judgment and separation from God. And so when this day came in history, the Bible, the, the day that we still celebrate, around the world today, millions of people will gather in all sorts of formats to celebrate this one sacrificial act. I love that it's been captured as cross equals heart, cross equals love. The ultimate act of love. He was betrayed by his friends. He was falsely accused by those whose power he threatened. He was rejected by those he came to save. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was shamed, humiliated, and he was abused. He was tortured with a vile anger, driven by demons that no human has ever experienced. Pilate, it says, had him whipped and beaten to a point of being unrecognizable, hoping that when he brought them, him back to the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders, they would see him, have mercy on him, and then stop their quest for him to be crucified. But it wasn't ultimately their quest. It was God's plan of love behind it that was setting him up for crucifixion. He was taken in that form where the Bible says he was unrecognizable. You wouldn't know his shape or who he was. And he was nailed to a cross. His feet and his hands were pierced. He was hung. He was shamed. He was speared through his side. He was cursed, made a spectacle for all to see, publicly humiliated. He was rejected by his Father in heaven, forsaken and abandoned, God turned his back on him. He cried out, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, God forsook him and he took the sin and the sickness and the curse on humanity and he placed it on Jesus in a moment. The Holy Son of God was crucified as a common criminal alongside two thieves. He did it all as an act of mercy unexpected mercy so unexpected the religious ones didn't realize that they were setting him up for a moment that would change history where demons didn't realize that what they were doing they thought it would kill him but it was only God's plan he bore our sins and our sickness in his body he took our grief and our pain our sorrow and our torment he destroyed the power of Satan sin and and death 
all of this so that any who would look at him, any unperfect person, any person who doesn't measure up, it's all of us, that if we would only look at him with faith in our heart, we would be forgiven, cleansed of the sin that we have in our heart, made righteous by God. You see, in the human heart, the Bible tells us the way of God is written on our heart. I don't need to tell you that you're a sinner. Your heart instinctively knows it. You don't need to tell me that I've fallen short of God. My heart knows it. I don't need you to lead with my sin. I need you to lead with my mercy, with the mercy of God. And as a church, we've made that decision to be the kind of church that Jesus is. We're not leading, telling the world you don't measure up, you're terrible, you're sinful, you're going to hell. We lead with, a, with the message of the mercy, the love, the kindness of God, that he sent Jesus to take our pain, to take our sin, to take our sickness. This weekend on Sunday night, we'll have a night of power. We'll be praying for people to be healed, to experience God's power in a real and tangible way, not just ceremony, but real. People will be healed. God will touch people. We're committed to being like that. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. He didn't wait for us to get perfect. He didn't say measure up. He said, no, I recognize you don't, and he died. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. We deserve it, but Jesus' blood is the most powerful thing. It washes our sin clean. And today, if you've never put your trust in Christ, if you never, maybe you've been to a stack of Easter services, Christmas services, church even, but you didn't realize the whole point of it is that we could be wiped clean and forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus then today's the day to receive that love and that forgiveness through Christ. The reason that he did it ultimately was love because he wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with me. The only way God, our Holy Father, can have relationship with us is if we're made holy and righteous ourselves and that's what Jesus has come to do. I'd like to pray for us right now. Can we close our eyes? Father, this morning... We're in awe that you would do what you did by sending your son, Jesus. I thank you. We're so grateful for the sacrifice. Lord, we'll never truly fathom it. We'll never truly understand the depth of the price that Jesus paid. But today we pause and reflect and remember and we say thank you that because of him, we're now righteous in your sight because of his blood we're made holy and I'm asking for every person in this room that today wouldn't just be a religious ceremony or a religious duty 
but it would be a life-changing moment receiving the forgiveness of sin. In Jesus' name, amen.